again here, gathered together, looking for another wonderful service with the Brother Vernon. It's been a wonderful weekend of meetings, hasn't it? Have you enjoyed it? It's been great. I was just talking about it earlier, and I said, it wasn't about the delivery, but you had to understand that Brother Vernon was just throwing dart after dart after dart that was hitting the mark, and I'm sure we all had received something this weekend. So let's just bring that atmosphere that we've had over the weekend into this service tonight. I know it's a Wednesday, a slower kind of evening, but we can still praise him. Amen? Amen. When I think about the Lord. And when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost when
want to shout, makes you want to sing, makes you want to praise. Let's just sing that little song, uh, We Cry Out Your Name, Father of Light, seated on your throne of grace. Maybe we can all stand.
so thankful for his grace tonight. I was just thinking about those words, El Shaddai. El Shaddai is the big breasted one, the great sustainer. We heard about Elijah being sustained by the ravens. Have you been sustained by El Shaddai? Amen. We're so thankful. Maybe we'll just go to prayer. There's no written requests uh, that I have. I'm just wondering if Brother Gilbert, maybe you could come and open the service in a word of prayer. Just want to remember uh, the camp. Actually, just had these written down. Camp is coming up and all the preparations that's taking place, the counselors and all the different ones behind the scene. We have the grad this weekend and Brother Aaron McGarry coming. Another opportunity for a special meeting. Just pray that God would be with us, Brother Gilbert. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come once again before you, Lord. It's another great opportunity for us, Lord, to be in your presence, another opportunity to sit down and hear from you, Heavenly Father. Lord, as we've sung, we are waiting in anticipation. We worship you. Lord, we appreciate you. We thank you for everything that you've done for us so far, Heavenly Father. We thank you for all the healings that you've been doing in our midst, Lord. We thank you for all the deliverances that you've done, Lord. We thank you even for all the, all the strengthening, Lord, of our faith, dear Lord, showing us that you care and showing that you are, that you are ever present, Lord. And Father, so as we sit down once again, Lord, to be in your presence, Lord, this is the, the greatest day, the, the greatest moment of the day, Father, to be where the Lord is, to be where the, the redeemed of the Lord are, O oh Lord. We pray that once more, Lord, may you come, Heavenly Father. We have needs in our hearts, Lord, but our greatest desire, Lord, is that you don't pass us by this evening, Father. Our greatest desire, O oh Lord, is that you'll look our way, Father, and speak to us, Heavenly Father. O oh Lord, and give us faith, Lord, Lord, that we'll be able to press in, Father, that we'll be able to hold on, Heavenly Father, that we'll be able to stay on, Father, until we get something from you, Heavenly Father. We are, we've come with lots of anticipations, Father. Oh, Lord, we pray for the minister that, Lord, God, may it be you working through him, Father, to reach our hearts, Heavenly Father. This is our humble prayer. We commit all things to your hands, Father. We are now coming with all anticipation, Lord. Oh, Jesus Christ, have your way, Heavenly Father. Lord, we want also to come against the powers of darkness, Lord. The powers that will come, that will that will hinder us, Lord, from receiving from you. Certain we come against you in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray that the Spirit of the living God will have preeminence, Lord, this evening, Father, and help us to pull together, Lord. Oh, Lord, may we have great victory this evening, Father. May we have great deliverances this evening, dear Lord. May the Spirit of the living God flow through heavenly, Father, in this, in this meeting. Oh, Lord, commit all things to your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Gilbert. You may have your seats. Just ask the Lamb family if they would come and get ready for their special. I have a couple announcements here. Unfortunately, we are bidding goodbye to Andrew and Bella. 
So they will be departing on Monday, June 26th, and they just wanted to let the church know that on Saturday the 24th at Peace Arch Park at 3.30, they will be having a little goodbye party, and uh, I'm sure that all who can make it would be very wonderful to see them off. And we want to thank you, Andrew and Bella. We want to thank you for your service here, and we want to thank you for your your blessing that you have been to the bride and to this body. I know we've known each other most of our lives, and you've grown up here, and you know, it's wonderful to see what God has been doing in your life. And the footsteps of the righteous are ordered to the Lord. So we pray that God would go with you. Amen. Amen. Maybe we can just sing as they, as they get ready to come. Um, I was just thinking of, thinking of the little song, He is all I need. He is all I need. Jesus is all I need. He is all. I've only got 
Jesus. Amen. That was wonderful. We don't want to leave a legacy, but we want to leave our testimony. Amen. Just one more announcement here. Brother Ryan, if you can start playing that song, Egypt, You're the God Who Fights for Me. The BFCR is ready. It's a beautiful, beautiful cover. China, a vision realized. There you can pick your copy up by the office. Be sure to get one, one per family, or one per household, usually is what we do. So just make sure that everyone can get one and share it with your friends. Well, this is what God is doing right now. Amen. Every time I think of this song, every time I sing this song, you can't help but remember what God has done. You can't, I, I, for today, I was thinking about it, and I was just thinking about the Red Sea parting and Miriam dancing on the other sides of the Red Sea and rejoicing and celebrating what God had just delivered them from. And I was just thinking, the bride, one day we'll be parting that Red Sea. We'll be going across the curtain of time. And we'll be rejoicing for what God has done for us. Amen? I think we can rejoice tonight, though, what God has done for us, because he is the God who fights for us. He's delivered us. Amen? Maybe we just stand and sing this before we prepare as we prepare our hearts for the word. Let's start with the chorus.
just invite Brother Vernon to come bring the word, saying you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. Is he worthy tonight? Man, you ready for the word? Oh, you are worthy of it all. Just raise our hands and praise him tonight. You are worthy of it all. Praise the Lord. The Lord deserves all the glory. Amen. Praise be to God. Can you bow our heads and let us uh, approach the Lord in prayer before we read our text for tonight? Our gracious Heavenly Father, truly Lord, you deserve all the glory. And we just want to thank you, Lord, for this evening, for all the things that you have done to us, O oh God, for all the things that you have allowed us to do in the things that you have not allowed us to do, Lord. You're sovereign, Lord, and you know what's best for us. And as we have sung the song, Lord, you're worthy to be praised. Lord, tonight, as uh, we speak again about your word, I pray that let your anointing fall, Father God. Let the words of my mouth be beneficial to my brothers and my sisters, O God. If there's anything, Lord, that I should not say, Lord, may you stop me from saying it, O God. And just let me speak, Lord, the things that will benefit my brothers and my sisters, O God. May you reach out, Lord, to our hearts tonight, Father God. May you check, Lord, the intents, the contents of our hearts, O God, so that we may see, Lord, what needs to be done. And I pray, Lord, Lord God, if there's anyone among us here that's in need of anything, O God, that you will reach out to them, Lord, personally, in a personal way, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for this church, for the ministry, for all the things that they have done. Thank you for allowing this church, O God, to do what they have done and to do, continue to do what they need to do, Father God. This is the last service that I'll be preaching before going to another place and going back to our country. And we just want to... Give back all the glory and the honor to you, Lord Jesus. Father God, for allowing us to be here, to have fellowship with brothers, with likewise faith. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for all the hospitality, for all the kindness that we have received. May you bless them in return a hundredfold, a thousandfold, O God. And Lord, we are looking forward to a time that we will not depart from each other anymore. We will spend eternity with each other, O God. 
in your presence. So Lord, as we open your book, may we, may we be with us once again, O oh God. Let your Spirit, let your Holy Spirit come upon us. And at the end of this service, may we get all the glory and the honor of you ask these things. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. So before, just before we sit down, I just li- like to read a portion of the scriptures, one, uh, one verse from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 10, verse 8. Then we will read another verse in the New Testament. Amen. Ecclesiastes, chapter 8, the preacher. Amen. Verse, uh, chapter 10, I mean verse 8. Amen. If you're there, you can read with me. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. There are people who devise some things that they want to do, put a trap a trap on others, and at the end, it's them that who get hurts. No, and sometimes uh, when we the breaking of a hedge, that means when we go out of the boundary of the protection of God. That is when we make ourselves vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. Amen. In the, in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, a very familiar verse, For the word of the Lord is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents, of the heart. Amen. Amen. Our subject for today, my brothers and sisters, is uh, reflecting on the intents of our hearts. And this is like just a continuous thought of what I had last weekend, and we just want to reflect on the intents of our individual hearts. So God, the blessed word, may you now be seated. Amen. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. You know, a person who's, uh, who goes about seeking out and causing trouble or seeking or to stir up like a mischief or, or something that uh, he wants to do something wrong to somebody, all too often their, their plan to do that backfires to them. See, if you have, you have some ill feelings, resentment to other people, I'm not referring to you, but I mean in general, uh, they will... They will make plans or device you know, to, just to hurt other people and they will realize that it's, it's not for the people that they want to hurt it, but it's for them. If you will read the book of uh, Esther, uh, you will find the story there that Haman, right, he's, he's, he's a wicked man, he hates Mordecai because Mordecai do, don't want to bow to him, Right? And we find in the next chapters that he plotted against the, the Jews to kill the Jews. And eventually, uh, he would want to hang Haman, uh, I mean Mordecai. And the, the situation was reversed and the gallows that he made, it was he who got killed in those gallows, right? And I think that the, this, the verse that we have read was very fitting for Haman, Right? And as we follow this story, we realize that it is not good to plan something evil for somebody. 
So the point I want to raise here is not is that when a person is hurt by something or somebody or something that you did or you you failed to do to them, there's always a possibility that we will uh, take it negatively. People will take it negatively. It's like a human. Um, I would say a human nature ten- a tendency to do to, to be like that, and if you continue to keep that ill feeling in your heart, it could lead to bitterness. Amen. And sometimes bitterness you will not really um, uh, notice it until your attitude is changed. Yeah, and if you have bitterness, no matter how uh, you be in a in a happy place in in the middle of happy people that bitterness will always be there because it's not in your, just in your mind, but it is in your heart. That's why Hebrews chapter 12 also would, would, would say that uh, we have to, to, to follow peace with all men, right? Verse 15, it says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any brute of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So once a person is defiled, all thing to, all, anything that they will see is defiled. If, if a person is pure in, 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 his, in his heart or in her heart, he will always be pure. There will be no malice inside of it. And uh, I think uh, it is needed not only in the church, it's needed wherever we are, in the family, in the workplace, in the school. Because if you have a bitter spirit, it affects the people around you. It affects the way you relate to people. And it affects your relationship with God if you are a Christian. That's why in the, in the message, Christ, the mystery of God revealed, it says here, if the brother you think is a little wrong, or the sister, say, Lord, don't let me ever have the root of bitterness springing up, because it will affect him. It will take the, the Christ right out of my life, that poison acids of malice and jealousy and hatred that will take the Holy Spirit right away, right away from you. It will run him from the tabernacle here. It will kill the Spirit of God or drive it away from here. Hurt your pastor. It will do everything. And this spirit of bitterness has hurt so many people, hurt so many churches, divided so many relationships. And so the prophet is always saying this in many of his messages that we have to get rid of this root of bitterness because it it does not only affect the people around you, but most importantly, it takes away the Christ in us. It takes away the anointing. Now, I want um, this short message will just, just like be a, a little narrative and to, to emphasize my point. And I would like to, to read two verses. One in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. Please uh, just, just follow me where I go and you will see what I want to so, to, to share to you this evening, right? And it says here, And the counsel of Ahitophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. In other words, this, this man, Ahitophel, he was a great speaker. He said, So was all the counsel of Ahitophel, both with David and with Absalom. So Ahitophel, right? He was... He was he was one of the counselors, the close counselors of King David and also of Absalom, the son of David. So in, in chapter 16, verse 23, he's being, he's being described that when he speaks, when he gives his counsel, it was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. 
That was in chapter 16, verse 23. Now, one, exactly one chapter later, one chapter later, 2 Samuel 17, verse 23. And when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled this ass and arose and got him home to his house, to his city, and put his household in order, and hanged himself and died, and was buried in the sepulcher of his father. Now, how could a person that speak like God, after one chapter, you commit suicide? So something wrong happened between chapter 16 and chapter 17. Something happened in this person that he can speak a counsel as if coming from the Lord. And he, he was very close. Uh, the, his relationship with the king, King David, was very close. And I was researching the meaning of the name Ahitophel. He said, it, it is said that he's a brother. This name is a brother of ruin or folly. Okay, just by the name alone, you know where he will end, Right? And it's also said here that he was a trusted counselor of David, a guide, a friend of King David. But later, he sided with Absalom during his rebellion and wanted to kill King David. Right? So, to, to, to understand how, what happened, we have to backtrack a little bit and we go to 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 12. And it says here, and Absalom sent for Ahitophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from this city, even from Gilo, while he suffered, offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. There was, so there was a rebellion brewing within the kingdom of David. And there came a messenger to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. How does a rebellion start? It starts with words. Somebody will talk to somebody until it spreads. And I don't know here, but, but uh, in the Philippines, we, you can be charged of uh, inciting to rebellion if you say words against the government or inciting to sedition. See? But because all rebellion always starts for a little talk, little discussion, little groups, subgroups, a group within a group, a group within a group, but we are, we should, we are supposed to be one group, right? And so here is, here is Ahitophel, right? And Absalom, he wanted to rebel against his father, and here is uh, supposed to be, uh, Ahitophel should, should talk to Absalom, talk him away from rebelling, but he was siding with the son of, uh, of, of King David, and he said, David sent unto holy servants, verse 14, that were with him at Jerusalem, arise, and let us flee, for we, shall not el- for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, let him, lest he overtake us suddenly, and bring evil upon us, and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servant said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my, lo- my lord the king shall appoint. And the king went forth and all his household after him, and the king left ten women, which were concubines to keep the house. Now notice that because we're going somewhere here. So he left the ten concubines to take care of the house, to keep the house, while David is away together with his men. And we jump now to verse 30 of chapter 15. And David went up to the, to the ascent of Mount Olivet and wept as, as he went up and had his head covered. And he went barefoot. And all of the people that was with him covered 
covered every man's head, and they went up, weeping as they went up. And one told David, Ahitophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. Now, you could imagine how David felt. Because Ahitophel was very close to David. And he was, his, his, they have conspiracy together with his son to rebel against him. So these are not enemies outside of the kingdom. These are enemies within the kingdom, right? Even within the family, right? And he says, uh, and uh, verse 32, he said, Oh, verse 31, And one told David, saying, Ahitophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, this is the first reaction of David, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahitophel to, into foolishness. Because he knows how good Ahitophel is. He knows him. Because he was a long-time counselor of David. So, God, there's no way that Ahitophel will fail in his counsel, so he, David has to ask God to seek the Lord, that he turned the counsel of Ahitophel into foolishness. Okay? And it came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mount where he worshipped God, behold, there's another character, Hushai the archite, came to meet with him with his coat rent and earth upon his head, and to whom David said, If thou pass it on with me, then thou shalt be a burden unto me. In other words, if you come with us, will be a burden. But David, as a military strategist that he is, he was planning something, right? Because what, what Absalom and what Ahitophel was doing was like, an, like they, they were going underground, like an intelligence work against an enemy. And so here is David doing counterintelligence. See? He said, but if thou return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be thy servant, O king, as I have been thy father's servant hitherto, so will I now also be thy servant, then mayest thou for me defeat the counsel of Ahitophel. So he prayed to the Lord, Lord, turn the counsel of Ahitophel into foolishness, but then he did what he had to do. He had to assign somebody, like a sort of a spy. See? To defeat the counsel of Ahitophel. But, but, but Hushai here, he would just pretend that he's siding with Absalom. And I, I, can, I can feel, I can see what, how David felt. See, it was at this time that he wrote Psalms 55. This is what he wrote, verse 9. Psalm 55, verse 9. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness are in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou... A man, mine equal, my guide, and mine acquaintance, we took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. In other words, we were brothers. We were going to the church together. It could have been that they grew up together. I think he was referring here with Absalom and Ahitophel. You see, there are people in our midst, this is a reality, there are people in our midst that we would think, that they are our friends. But sometimes you will realize when distress comes in, 
they will show their true colors. And sometimes there are people that seems to be that they are not our friends. But when distress comes, they will stand beside you. Example of this is Hushai. He wanted, he's a stranger, he's not an Israelite, but he wanted to stay with David. Right? Now, let's go back to chapter 16, verse 20. He says here, Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, Give counsel among you what we shall do. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go into thy father's concubines, which he hath left to keep the house. And all the Israel, and all Israel shall hear that thou art aboard of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house. And Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And the council of Israel, this is what we read, which he counseled in those days was as if a man had inquired on the oracle of God. So you can see how, how, how Ahitophel really hated David because his counsel to Absalom, get your, the ten concubines, put it on top of the house, and enter in. Do something, in other words, defile the concubines. It was like in modern language, you would say, do something against your father, post it in social media. So everybody will see it. That you, the son, is rebelling to your father. You see, if somebody wants to do something to, to ruin your reputation, they will use any means to spread the, your downfall. They will talk about your negative things. It's so easy to create something against you. See? And with with the technology that we have now, see, what happened today can be be telecast or or posted in social media in all parts of the world. Everybody will know it. Everybody will know it. Before it will take like newspaper and everything and, you know. But now it's just click click of a finger with your cell phone. Take the picture, get some issue, send it away. And then we will never know how much damage it could make to our person. See? But people are so used. I mean, the whole world now is so used with social media and everything and, and doing these things. And sometimes they have, I mean, the, 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 the devil has used this to, to, as a tool. Okay? That if you want to ruin the reputation of a person that you hate, you can use it, right? And so the, the, the story continues. He did that, right? And his counsel was so good, okay? Now, now, Ahitophel, now put this in mind that Ahitophel, there are two kinds of, or source of power. One is the power of position. That if you, you held that position, you have the power that goes with that position, and another source of power is the power of influence. Now, Ahitophel, be, being a good counselor, I mean, he, he counsels good, so he has a, an influence. He has, an, he has influence to the king, like, a, like an advisor to the king. He can, he can advise Absalom. He can get the people to follow him. And the prophet said that power without uh, character is satanic. And obviously, the satanic anointing is operating in Ahitophel at this point in time. See? And in chapter 17, Moreover, Ahitophel said unto Absalom, Let me now choose out 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night. 
And I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed, and I will make him afraid, and all the people that are with him shall flee. And I will smite the king only. See? He has 12,000 people, but he wanted to smite the king only. So this is, this is not ideology war. This is, this is something personal. He's not fighting for anything. He just wants David to get killed. Right? Now, let me continue. He said, uh, And I will bring back all the people unto thee, the man whom thou seekest is as if all returned, so all the people shall be in peace. And saying, and the saying pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. But it didn't stop there. Because David prayed. A while ago, David prayed, right? That turned the counsel of Ahitophel into fearlessness. So God was working, Right? And say, so, so Absalom in, in verse 6 said, And when, then said Absalom, Call now Hushai the archite also, and let us hear likewise what he said. In other words, I want to get a second opinion. And it, it took a second opinion for the counterintelligence person. So you can see how, uh, where this is going now. And when Hushai was come to Absalom, Absalom spake unto him, saying, I hate to fail that spoken after this manner, Shall we do after saying? If not, speak thou. And Hushai said unto Absalom, The counsel that Ahitophel hath given is not good at this time. For he said, For said Hushai, Thou knowest thy father and his men, that they be mighty men, that they be shaft in their minds as a bear rub of her whelps uh, in the field, and thy father is a man of war and will not lodge with the people. So what Hushai was doing was countering the counsel of Ahitophel, because that was his mission. Absalom did not know that, but that was a mission that came from King David. Right? So he was making his way around. And you know what happened? In verse 14, and Absalom said, and, and all men of, the, verse 14 of chapter 17, and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahitophel. For the Lord that appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahitophel, to the intent that the Lord might bring evil up upon Absalom. So here is Absalom, here is Ahitophel, and here is Hushai. Now he gave, Ahitophel gave a negative a counsel to kill David, but Hushai gave another counsel to counter the counsel of Ahitophel, but it was all God doing things, orchestrating things, and he was, Absalom was, the, was, was convinced to, to, to follow. Why? Because it was the intention of God here was to, uh, to bring evil and bring, uh, to bring evil upon also to Absalom because they were the rebellious guys here. See? So it is like in the time of Jehoshaphat and said that the battle is the Lord's it is not him's. Huh? And so we can see that if in situation like this, somebody is plotting a negative thing about, against you. Whether you are in a position or just a personal thing or a family thing. See, just if you seek the Lord, He will be the one, right, to, to, to orchestrate things, to put things into place. Just continue, as, as, as the prophet said, if somebody done you something wrong, just continue to love Him. Don't think any ill 
thing. It is, it is easier said than done. Right? But that is the command to us. I mean, if we are looking for the coming of the Lord, we should check the intents of our hearts, make our motives and objectives always right with the Lord, and we can, make, we can be sure, amen, that, that we are walking in the right path. Now, the, the big question that I would like to raise is why would Ahitophel bear grudge or will have this ill feeling against David to the point that he wanted to kill him? He was the counselor after all. Was somebody promoted maybe ahead of him? See? So if you would like to investigate, to, to know something, you want, you want to investigate, and if you want to know the background of Ahitophel, we have to look in the other chapters. In, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, it is said, it says, it says in verse 1, And it came to pass after the year was expired. We backtrack a little bit. At the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbat, but David tarried still in Jerusalem. See? This is where he made, the, made, the, uh, made, uh, made a big mistake. He was not in his rightful position at the rightful time. Right? He was supposed to be in battle, but he was relaxing. Right? And it come to, uh, uh, and it come to pass in an evening night that David arose from his bed, off his bed, and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And he said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? Eliam was one of the 30 mighty men of David. See? And the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So, we know the story. We will not go to the story of David and Bathsheba and the prophet Nathan. But I want to let you know that Bathsheba, right, is the daughter of Eliam. And if you go to chapter 23 of 2 Samuel, verse 34, while uh, it's being written all the names of the mighty man, in verse 34, it is said here that Eliphelet, the son of Ahashabai, the son of Maakatai, Eliam, the son of Ahitophel, the Gilonite. So Eliam was the son of Ahitophel, making Ahitophel the grandfather of Bathsheba. And David, as a king, you know what he did? It was one of the sins of David, committed adultery with Bathsheba, and all the things that he was doing as a king. Here is Ahitophel. He sees everything. He was, a, he was close. They were like this. Because everything that David is doing, Ahitophel knows it whether good or bad. And sometimes, maybe he's even, even asking counsel, what shall I do? What shall I do? What shall I do next? See? And Ahitophel, because he, he respects the king. But when sometimes you can respect somebody, but if you are hurt, maybe a family member like this, a granddaughter. I believe, although it's not written in the Bible, but there's something that... Uh, this event or this uh, situation that happened, it hurt so much Ahitophel that he had resentment against David. But he was continue serving David all those years. Physically outside, he was the trusted counselor of David. 
And he has the gift to counsel. It's like the oracle of God. Right? But inside his heart is full of resentment. Full of bitterness. He was just wanting one mistake of David. And when he saw Absalom trying to rebel, he said, I don't love Absalom the way I love David, but Absalom is the enemy of the king. Sometimes people, because you have a common enemy, even though you are not friends, you become best friends. Right? Because they have one mission in life against one person. And it is happening. That spirit is very much present to this day. It is present in, in, in neighborhoods, in families, in churches, even in the ranks of the message believers. It causes church splits. It causes family separation. See? Because this is demonic spirit. Instead of Ahithophel going to David, reconciling, you know, meeting with him, he just kept it from him in himself. And no matter how you keep a bitter feeling, because the Bible said it will spread. As a, Roots, when, you know, when roots are spread, it becomes a strong tree. And one day it will grow and will grow. From simple bitterness will become wrath. It will become hatred. And the next thing you want to do is to destroy your enemy. And I was studying before. I'm not, I'm not uh, a medical practitioner, but I was reading an article that we have like a brain in our skull. I mean, a, a vein in our skull. It was the same vein that where the emotion emits. If you, are, if you so love a person, that it is, it is the vein that goes here. I don't know if it's true, but it, it passes here, the emotion here. That you love so much a person. But it is the same vein that hatred passes to. If that person that you love does something wrong to you. So we can see divorce cases. They love each other till death do us part. But when they start hurting each other, they hate each other so much. What happened to the love till death do us part to the hate to the hate? See? So everything is going from one extreme opposite to another extreme opposite because of bitterness, grudge, or whatever you call it, that you kept it in your heart. For a number of years, number of times, and sometimes that, that kind of spirit will just lay dormant in our heart. You can be 20 years in the message, 40 years in the message, nobody, nobody, can, no, nobody sees it because you, are, you have a smiling face. You are so kind, you are so good, see? But the devil is just waiting for the right time. It's like a roaring lion. Right? And once he sees or she sees something that would put the person that he hates, that he can put down, definitely he will just, they will have a merging of spirit. See? The problem is we cannot discern that spirit immediately. That's why it explains that sometimes, I mean, it happens in all over the world. It doesn't happen only in one place. Because we love one another. We cherish one another. See? It is always almost uh, impossible to think 
right? For example, if I'm going on missions in our country, for example, we go to one province, another province, and you can see the brothers loving each other. They shake one another's hand. They, they cannot stop having fellowship. Then, a few years later, you go back, they don't talk to each other. What happened? What happened? Something happened because, you know, sometimes there are little things that, that are not uh, easily seen, but it's growing and growing and growing in our hearts. See, bitter, bitterness will damage your relationship with others and eventually it will damage your relationship with God. See? You will just start hating somebody. I was preaching in our church. I said, first you will, you will, you will start hating your pastor. Then you will start hating the message. Then you will start hating the word. Then you start hating God. And before you know it, this person is already out. And sometimes it's, it's hard for a pastor to bear that. You know why? Because the pastors, I'm not talking that because I'm a pastor, but, but it, this, is, this is experience. You love the people. You, you, you want them to be saved. You want, them to be, you want to take care of them. And one single mistake sometimes, a single mistake. For example, it's not, uh, for example, you made a mistake and you hurt the, heart, the, the, the feelings of that person. Or maybe you have, sub, I have said something in, the, in our pulpit that hurt the people. Instead of talking to me, reconciling, or you know, arranging things, or discussing these things, they will talk to one, and to one, and to one. And the problem is if they talk to somebody that also has resentment against the pastor. You have a big team of resenters. <laughs> right? And it will spread like wildfire. It spreads. That's why I said, and I have heard it also from other pastors, the, the pastor is the most broken person in the church. God has to break the pastor so he can know how to be, uh, com- uh, I would say, compassionate to people. And sometimes, you know, we are human beings. I get angry. Sometimes I want to do a little boxing. Yeah, shadow boxing. <laughs> See? But then God will teach you how to be long-suffering. <laughs> so before you even experience that, the pastors or the ministry experience it. And it teaches us a lesson that we have to, to, to reflect on the intents of our hearts. When we go to church, it's not just good to be listening to the, to the services. We have to fellowship with one another because you can be in a church and if you have resentment in your heart, everybody is happy, every, everybody is praising, everybody is worshiping. You might pretend that you're worshiping, but you know that you know that you know in your heart that you are not happy. Because there's somebody that you see, right? Or maybe, some, maybe not the ministry, maybe a brother or a sister in a church that has wronged you, totally wronged you. And yet you cannot forgive. And you're, you're just waiting for an opportunity to do, to do the same thing, to hurt him or her. And if we, take, uh, uh, if we seek to take revenge to those who, has hurt, who hurt you, sometimes in the end you'll only hurt yourself, like what happened to Haman, right? What, what like happened to, to so many characters in the Bible that they will seek revenge. That's why the Bible says, vengeance is mine, right? You should not be 
uh, I would say, vindictive. If they have wronged you, as the Bible said, pray for them. So actually, there, there was a, during a question and answer in our church, a, a, a brother asked me, you always say, Pastor, that if somebody wronged you, pray for them. How do you pray for them if you are mad against them? And that's true. That's a good question. I said, pray first for yourself that God will remove your anger so you can sincerely pray for that person. Because otherwise, your prayer will not be right. You might pray, Lord, take the life of this person. <laughs> right? Why? Because you have ill feelings. So you pray first for yourself that the Lord will take the negative things in your heart and they can start praying the right prayer for the people around you. Now, it might sound basic, but the, the problem, my brothers and sisters, I have met so many believers. They would say, we are 40 years in the message. See? I was in the United States uh, many years ago, and there was a brother who approached me. He's not even a preacher, and he said, Brother Vernon, what will you preach to our church tonight? And I said, uh, I have this little subject, and he said, I just want to tell you that most of the member here, members here are 40 years in the message. It was like as if they're saying, what can you preach to us? And they preached the 11th hour worker. And they said, there are those who, are, who came first, but they will be in the last. If you, have that, if you are 40 years in the message and you still have that arrogant spirit, you're not in the message at all. Because if you are in the message for many, many years, the first thing that you have, you'll have a humble spirit. You will not even brag about how many years you are in the message. I will not even tell you how many years I've been preaching because it doesn't matter. I, can do, I could have started preaching last night only, but if the Lord wants to use you, He can use you. You can be preaching for the, for the rest of your life, but it has no result. See? So again, it goes back to what is in our heart. See? So we have to realize that, that it is only a privilege of God and it is, we have to realize that God is the ultimate judge. If somebody has wronged you, wronged us, what's the difference between David and Ahithophel? David, David made mistakes, but he repented. Ahithophel made mistakes. Uh, he, he was wrong. He did not make a mistake. But he kept the resentment in his heart. There was no need for repentance for Ahithophel because it was not he who made the mistake. It was David uh, doing the wrong things to the granddaughter of Ahithophel, but he kept this ill feeling. Tonight, I, was, I would like to tell you, we can check our hearts. Do we have ill feelings to anybody? Maybe unbeliever, maybe a believer, maybe a relative. One time I was preaching about this subject in our church and uh, a sister approached me and he said, she said, Pastor, I cannot forgive my mother because they have a long history of not so good relationship. I said, all the reasons that you can give me could be a valid reason for you to hate your mother. But there's a word in the Bible that says, listen to your father that begot thee, despise not your mother when she is old. It is the word of God. If you follow the word of God, if you submit to the word of God, the Lord will take away that resentment. And then you will start loving your mother, though she is unlovable. And the miracle happened, she, she, fought, she obeyed, and now they're good, in good terms. 
But we have to surrender these feelings. We don't have to. But sometimes people want to, to, like to, to make it a stronghold against these feelings. Using reasoning. They, they, they have wronged me so much that I cannot forgive them. Right? I can forgive everybody except that person. And every time you see that person, you have, heard, have you heard the expression? I don't know if you have it, but sometimes the face of that person is already an offense to you. Just seeing him or seeing her, it destroys your day. Right? It's not the face of the person, it's actually what's inside of you. To them that are defiled, all things are defiled. To them that are pure, all things are pure. And so it is, it is important, right? Amen? That we should realize that we are not perfect. And the measure we met to others is the same measure that we met to us. Sometimes uh, people have wronged us, but we also, in our life, we have wronged people. Sometimes I've offended people that I, don't, I didn't even know of. Maybe by my action, by my words, or but what I did to somebody that is related to the person, like in the case of David. See? So we should be very careful as we take inventory of our hearts, as we reflect on, on our hearts. Did I wrong somebody? Or if I have been wrong, am I keeping these little grudges, you know, or an axe to grind or whatever? Because if you hold that for too long, one day it will take hold of you. You'll be like, you know, you will feel that you're a message, we are message believers, we are Christians, we are serving the Lord, we are waiting for the coming of the Lord. But there's this small thing that keeps us from being the person that the Lord really wants us to be because these small things, we cannot leave it apart there. We can, we can accomplish so many things in life, but unless there's resentment, there are many stories about that in the life of many people. They've been successful businessmen, successful everything, right? But in the end, they have their resentment in their hearts. And before they die, God will deal, to, deal, deal, with, deal with them, right? Because you cannot get away from that. We have, let me just give you an example. We have... We have a, an old sister in our church. She's, in, I think, in, this, in her mid-80s. She has two daughters. And the first daughter, she died when she was around 44 years old. It was brain aneurysm. Very young, 44 years old. And she has an older sister. She was left to take care of the mother. And she was asking counsel for me. He, she said... You know, my sister who died was the one closest to our mother. It was very close to the mother. And I was asking God, the, the sister said, why did she have to die first than me? Because I'm not close to my mother. I'm not close to my mother. So I, in other words, she, she, she's not sure that she, want, she wanted to take care of her mother in her old age. Okay. So they were left alone, living in one house, taking care of the mother. But there's something in her heart that I didn't even know. And I told them, maybe the Lord allowed this because your mother is old and maybe, uh, maybe the Lord wanted you to spend more time with her. Okay? And maybe a, a couple of years passed up, uh, when, when the first uh, sister died. This old sister, she had the same problem, brain aneurysm. She was hospitalized. 
and, was, and the doctor said, if you will not operate on you, will you, you will be given 10 days and you'll die. And so I talked to the old sister and I said, uh, do you want to undergo the surgical operation? I'm 80. She said, I don't want to undergo it, undergo anymore. And so the doctor got mad at me because he, he thought I was uh, stopping her yeah, to, to, to undergo the operation. I said, no, it was her decision. And I said, okay, 10 days, she's gone. And I said, okay, 10 days, I'll go back here. You might be dead before the 10 days, I told the doctor. No, the sister is still alive after five years. So, of course, obviously, that's a miracle. And I told the sister, the, the, the daughter, I said, you know, sister, maybe the Lord made this situation like this so you can, because you grew up not spending time with your mother. So maybe the last years of your mother, you will be spending time with her. You'll be taking care. I didn't know that she has resentment. And that time she told me, oh, I have some resentment against my mother because I was not close to my mother. And I said, let's pray. Let's pray that the Lord will take that and just take care of your mother because she might have, she might, uh, have uh, less years to live. And a month later, that daughter had brain aneurysm, died immediately. I went to the hospital. She was already in the morgue. And it came to my mind, I said, the reason why God allowed them to be together, not, it was not for the mother. It was for that sister to arrange her heart, remove the resentment, take care of the mother because she has only one month remaining. And sometimes we think, well, maybe the Lord allowed me to be with my mother because she's already dying. But no, it was her who was dying. I don't know it. She don't know it. But as I look back, I, I see that this is how the Lord moves in the hearts of the believers. The Lord will search our hearts. She will see if there are little compartments there that you still have some things to get rid of. And God will orchestrate situations, conditions that will push you in, in a situation that you have to deal with it. You cannot just uh, leave it alone. You have to deal with it, make it right, uh, make it right with the Lord. And over and over again, when we have that kind of experiences back home in our church, it reminds me to, to, to tell that, to share that to the people. Because as I always say, you can, you, we, we can be talking about so many deep things about the message, which is very good. I'm not against the deep things of the message. But sometimes we go, get over and, and we, we forget that there are little compartments in our hearts that we need. Amen. No? That we need to, 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 to face and to, 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 to fix it before the Lord takes us away. Yes, amen. amen. And now, uh, let, let me read to you some, some, some quotes. He said, he said here in one message, try to do something good. Just keep being good. Hold no malice, no grudges. Don't let any bitterness. No matter how bad the person is and how bad they talk about you, don't never think evil in your heart against them. Because uh, right there, the devil will set right in. Work up something right there. It is the devil that, that schemes, that, that does the scheme. Uh, he, he works something right up there. Just keep it all covered with godly love, confession, and making right, and do good to those who do evil to you. 
This was uh, uh, preached by the prophet back in the early 60s, and it's still true today. It's so simple, but it's so hard to follow. Sometimes, in my younger years, I used to preach this, and then somebody does something wrong to me, I forgot everything. <laughs> See? And God, and God said, you have to experience before you preach. Okay. <laughs> See? Anybody can be good. This is another message. Anybody can be good to those that, that's good to them, but be good to those that who are not good to you. Do something for those that would not do nothing for you. Speak a good word for the man that would speak evil against you. Again, very hard to do that. And that way you keep all the bitterness out of your heart. Somebody said something negative to you, say something positive to them. Right? And that's the way to keep all bitterness out of your heart. And you're always in love with everybody as, you, as long as you are stay in love. Amen. In another message, he said, Now if a man is born of the word, he will produce the word. The fruit of works of his life will be a product of the kind of the seed or life that is in him. His works, therefore, will be scriptural. He said, There stands that matchless one, and in his hand the sharp sword, this is part of the church age book, and sharp sword and with the two, two edges, the word of God, and that word will judge us in the last day. In fact, the word is judging even now, for it is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. It cuts asunder. So that's what the word is doing to us. It, it goes to the deepest intents of our hearts, checking us. Are we right with the Lord? No matter how small it is. You may say that maybe, maybe the message today is not for me because I don't have any grudges. I don't have any, any anger about anybody. That's good. But what if the day comes that somebody will wrong you? Yeah. Or a member of your family? Or maybe uh, not you, your family, but you will be offended by some preaching of the word. Okay? The best thing to do that is uh, to do there is not not to, to harbor any bitterness, any any ill feeling against somebody, because if you do that, no, just sleep with it, talk with it, and everything, and before you know it, there's already a root of bitterness, and it you will how 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 will you know that you have a root of bitterness in you? Your relationship with other people is affected. There's no joy in your heart. You are serving the Lord. We are serving the Lord. We know that we are saved. But the joy of our salvation is not in our hearts. You are not excited to see the brothers and sisters. And you kind of feel you want to isolate yourself. And then depression sets in. See? And there's another devil and another devil and another devil. And before you know it, your countenance has fallen. See? And so we want, to, we want to be clear of all those things. We don't want to do those things. We don't want that to stay in our life. And we want to, we want to, to, to guard our hearts. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says here, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We have to guard our heart. Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips far from thee. Why? 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 Would they always connect the heart with your words? Because out of the abundance of our heart, our, our mouth speaks. See? When you speak, it comes from your heart. 
So if your heart is defiled, all your words will be defiled as well. And sometimes, so, much, so many relationships, I have this mistake when I was younger, and sometimes I still make mistakes it, like this today. Sometimes the, 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 way, the, the, the words I want to tell my children, my wife, are all good words, by the, but by the manner by which I say it, the tone of voice or the facial expression, eh, it always affects your relationship. And if they are sensitive, they will get mad. They will make the wrong reaction. And when they make the wrong reaction, then you make the wrong reaction also. See? So it is like uh, you will have a, a, a war of words, but it was you who started it because of something that is in our hearts. So I would tell our people that if there's something wrong in our hearts, as much as possible, just stay alone for, with God first. Let, let him remove any negative things in your heart. Because if those things are in there, like for example, if you are a husband and you go home and you have all the pressure and the stress in your work and your wife is at home, all the pressure also is with her, right? Because, you know, taking care of the kids, if they have small kids, doing household chores. So both of you are not in the good condition yeah, because you are so tired. And then when you meet each other, instead of kissing each other, your wife, why just now? <laughs> or the, or the, 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 the husband will demand something from the wife. Yeah? And it creates a lot of turmoil between the family. And the children will see it, and they grow up in this kind of environment. And where did it start? From something that was given in our heart, uh, that was uh, left in the hearts of these people. That's why the Bible said in, in Philippians chapter 4, it said, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are pure, true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right? In other words, let us... Uh, Fill our hearts with lovely things, with pure things. We have to doubt our doubts. We have to, we have to move higher. As we, as we approach the coming of the Lord, we don't forget what is in our hearts. Sometimes we can be too busy in a ministry, too busy in our work, too busy in what we are doing that we think we are serving the Lord and we forget. We forget. The basic things of life. When, when I was, uh, I think it was 2002, before, a few months before I, I, I went to, the Bible, to Bible Believers, there was a big shipment of uh, uh, relief goods that I have to distribute to the different churches uh, in, in, in the Philippines, to the different pastors. These are bicycles, musical instruments, Bibles, uh, uh, clothing, shoes, and everything and some of the hymnal books. And it, it is a big task that I was supposed to do before I fly going to Cloverdale. And the last two weeks, I think the last two weeks of May, we were waiting, 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 and the shipment was kind of late in coming. And the last week of, of May was uh, the birthday of my two boys. One is in the other day, the, the, uh, almost uh, the, not the same day, but in that 
last week of May. And my, my, my child, I believe, my, my second son was just eight or maybe eight or nine years old, maybe seven years old, I'm not sure. But he was very young. And so every birthday of my sons or my daughters, they have only one request. Their only request is that me will stay with them. No party, no everything, just be together, the whole family complete. So even their school, they will be all absent because they want all of us. And I was a minister during the time, and I was managing Bible believers. And, you know, as a young minister, it's the Lord, it's the Lord's work, it's the Lord's work. You forget your family. And so I was doing that work. And it was the birthday of my second son. See? And my motive and objective was I was serving the Lord. I need to, to give everything to the pastors of the Philippines. I'm, I was like a superhero, you know. But little did I know that my son was waiting for me. He was waiting for me. Because I, 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 went, uh, I went to the, to, the, to, the, to the warehouse very early, did all the works until nighttime. And when I reached home, my uh, eldest son, he told me, uh, Papa, I, I, we were waiting for you the whole day. Because it's, maybe you have forgotten it's the birthday of his brother. No, so I said, I didn't forget, but you have to understand, I was in the ministry. How, what, what? Could a seven-year-old understand ministry? He will not understand ministry. All he wants to see is Papa during his birthday. And because I was not a bad father, I'm not, I would say I'm not a bad father, but I forgot all those things. I forgot it. See? Because I was so enthused with ministry. These are the good things of life. I'm serving the Lord. I'm serving the servants of the Lord. I should be there. I should be sacrificing no? for, for, for the sake of the works of the Lord. But my son will never understand it at that age. At that age. And so I flew to Cloverdale and I was here. I was doing what I was supposed to do. We traveled in the U.S. side. And it was just about three weeks of travel. But the Lord was speaking to my heart. The Lord was like saying, what are you doing here? What you're doing is good, but how about your family? And I realized, my brothers and my sisters, I'm not telling you not to do ministry, but there are sets of priorities that we need to do. I was, I was very blessed when Brother uh, Tom was sharing me how Brother Michael and his brothers, Brother Sam, Brother Joe, they go out, like, you know, uh, do hunting, do this and do that, father and son relationship. And I mean, I was able to do that because I, it, it was good that I learned the lesson early. But many people, because of their job, because of the ministry, because of the good things they need to do to provide for the family, they neglect their growing children. And the Bible said, I don't have time to, to read it, These are, they are like olive plants that should, be, that you should be around the table. And these olive plants, I researched, 
they, you have to take care of them for 15 years. So they will have a full-blown tree, sturdy strength. In, in other words, the first 15 years of our children, we should be there as a father, as a mother. Not just physical presence, but we need to be doing what we need to do as either father or mother. Because we can be doing so many things for the Lord outside of the family. But at the end of the day, now we are multicultural here. I don't know the culture of the country that you went to. But in our, in our, in our, in our country, even though you are 18 years old, as long as you're single, you're still with the family. So you have long, if your children, your son or daughter will not marry, you will have to be with them for the next 50 years of your life. Right? But it is good. I mean, that's our culture. We love it. Right? We, we, we want that. I don't, now it's only me and my wife living in our house. And sometimes I, I, I think, I'm looking at the pictures, I'm looking at the wall. I want, my, I want them to be in our family. We only see each other on a Sunday. Yeah, because they have their own work, they live in, 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 in and from time to time we go to their, we are the ones going to their places. But if I could be given back the time when my children are just growing up, I will not go out. I think it was Billy Graham when he was interviewed in his 90th birthday. Billy Graham, the great evangelist. He was questioned, what can you say about the many world tours that you made? The evangelistic, he said, I've made so many evangelistic crusades. If I could repeat my life all over again, I would have to cut off half, half of my evangelistic crusade because it robbed his time from his family. And in our... We have a brother in our church I'm in, in the Philippines that in his deathbed is an elder minister. I visited him. It's only the family around the deathbed. Not the people he has converted, not the places that they went to. They just send messages. May the Lord heal you, may the Lord. But no one. See? So what I'm saying is not, I'm not saying to stop the ministry. No. What I'm saying is, God has given us a God-given priority. We have to check the intents of our heart. No, 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 no grudges, no, no, uh, these ill feelings and everything. But also, what is the priority on hand? I'm not saying this because I, uh, you're not good parents or not good grandparents, but this is, this is something in general, that we are priorities in life. We have to spend time with people that, that are, I would call, essential, again, that word. Sometimes we, 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 we spend so much time with people that are not essential in our life because we want to be popular, we want to accomplish things, we want to do these things. I'm sorry I'm not, I'm not uh, scolding you, but... But what I'm trying to say is we, there's a time in our Christian life that we have to reflect in the intents of... What is your motive and objective in doing these things? What's the intent of your heart? What is the purpose of your heart? Right? If I go back, uh, I, was, I was planning this trip. I said, two weeks is good. After two weeks, it's not good anymore. Because I have, I have my post of duty there. I still have two sons there. I have grandchildren, I have a, uh, an aging mother. I have to spend time with them also. 
I will be a hypocrite if I will be a blessing to other people in my own family. I will not be a blessing. <laughs> See, if I if I if I cannot if they will not say that uh, uh, oh, we were blessed like that and like this. I mean, like my, my I have a brother who I've been sharing the message for 25 years. Then he got baptized last year only. I have a mother I was sharing 24 years. He got baptized two years, just two years ago. So it's hard work. It's not easy. But you want to think that I, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, you're sending me to this place, to this place, to this place. I want my mother to get saved. I want my brothers to get saved. I have two more brothers that are not yet saved. And so sometimes as you grow older, you, you tend to go back to the basic. You, you tend to go back to the little things that maybe is still left undone. Yeah, we, we are moving forward. We are looking uh, to the things that the Lord can do, who wanted to do to us. But we don't want to neglect these things, these small things. That's why we, we need to look to our hearts. You see, in closing, I would say, the, prophet, the, the Bible said, when you see these things coming, look up for your redemption, draw it nigh. If you, do, you want to see the, th- the timeline of the Lord, you can see, you look around, you see the modern events made clear by prophecy. But if you want to know where you're standing, look inside. Inside. Because we, some people are busy looking up, looking around, saying that these are the signs of the times, the coming of the Lord is here, the blood moon and everything and so forth, or the Ukraine war, and everybody was preaching about Ukraine war. See? All the signs and all the wonders. But uh, an old pastor from South Africa once told me, Go to the hearts of the people. <laughs> Go to the hearts of people. Help them check themselves. Help them check themselves. Are they ready for the rapture? Are you? And he asked me, are you ready for the rapture? No amount of knowing all the signs of the times and everything and all those, the will in the will, in the middle of the will, and all the doctrines of all these things. What is the white stone? What is the so forth and so on and everything? And yet, in our hearts, we are not prepared. So we want to open our hearts tonight. You have been a very good listener, and I thank the Lord, thank Brother Tom, the ministry. I appreciate much here. I've learned from Brother Tim, Brother Murphy, even Brother Michael, listening to the stream, and it always makes me uh, feel more inspired to do more for the Lord. And that's just one uh, the things uh, I want to leave to you as... I would say, my goodbye service before we leave for the Philippines. Let us reflect on the intents of our hearts. And I, I believe that the Lord will tell us something. Amen. Before I pray, I would like to request, Brother Michael, uh, a little song that is very familiar in our country. It is composed by a pastor, Pastor Rowell Soriano, who has preached here before. And... He has left, he has went home to the Lord, but this song remains in our hearts because sometimes when we preach about the heart, this is what we want to sing for the Lord. Amen. I will pray the...
praise to you. Exalt your holy name, for you have done great things. I know you'll never change your glorious presence. Is all my spirit ever needs? Let all the world depart. Just stay close to me.
think we could make that a theme for the next days of our lives. I really so deeply appreciate the way the word was delivered, the word that was delivered, and how we receive the word that was given to us. Brother Vernon, of all the services, actually, that's most profound. Thank you. We have so many walls we put up because we have a self-perception of ourselves. But the real you is really deep down into your heart, the real you. And the way society works and the way Satan Eden has, it's hardened hearts, it's hardened ways. It's the way I need to project myself. I think there's some things in our lives we just have to let go. Say it's just not worth holding on to that. Just let it go. I know you have favorite quotes. We all say, I can forgive you, but I can't forget. There's a time that you have to forgive and forget. Just let it go. Don't hold it. Don't harbor it. Just say, Lord, let the love of Christ rule within my heart make me more like you Lord we say it but can we really live it we want to maybe try and delve into the deeper things of God and and yes we do desire that but there's some things we need to really take inventory of that is of ourselves just look within yourselves and I thought, what a, what a tremendous service. We're going to have communion, not this Sunday, the following Sunday. Maybe if you want to prepare yourself, hear the service again. And say, Lord, if there's anything in my heart, I just want to make it right. Give me a heart like thine. Let us be more like David more like Christ. Let's just sing that little chorus one more time before we pray. Oh Lord my God Won't you look into
Lord, you indeed know the very thought, the very intent of every heart here. You know mine, Lord. Give me a heart after thine own heart, Lord. I was just thinking today, listening to a tape, and how people so desire to make the deep things of God deeper when the great things are God are the very simple things that we need to apply and how fitting was the word tonight Lord would you forgive us of all our sin Lord thoughts we've thought of brothers and sisters Give me a heart like your heart, Lord. You have spoken, I'm sure, to every life here tonight. And I pray, Lord, that we can not only hear it, but may we apply it. Lord, we've been blessed through the ministry of our precious brother Vernon Menahan. blessed to be able to see a part of his assembly Brother Friesen, Sister Ruth Sister Irene his precious daughters Lord fruits of his ministry we just pray God that your grace will go before him as he goes to Edmonton and ministers may the saints also Lord be fed from the word of God bless them dearly use our brother supernaturally as you have here at this little church of Cloverdale I'm sure all of us Lord would have to have some time just to steal away in prayer and ponder these great thoughts of God but as we go home and as we lay in our beds Lord may we let you search out all the chambers that we could make all wrongs right that we could live a life worthy of the gospel so Father God we're thankful that you've given us a little Wednesday night to assemble to hear the word of God and to cherish it Lord deep within our souls would you bless your people and go with them as they walk this walk with you Give them, Lord, what their hearts are desiring. You know, Lord, what we need. We've heard it, and we want to apply it. So as we go, bless your children. Keep them safe on the road, and give our our dear brother Manahan, may you give them traveling mercies, and may your grace be upon them as they leave, Lord. May they remember these times in Cloverdale people here that love them we'll pray for them and hold them in our hearts we ask your grace go before us now bless your people we pray in Jesus name God bless you if you'd like to 
linger and you'd like to maybe pray. Say, Lord, that word was rich, that word was true. And you just want to shut yourself in. Just wherever you're at, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.